Um, for those that don't know me, before we get started this morning, my name's Matt. Um, I'm part of the leadership team here at Real Life Church. Um, my wife and I, Philippa, down the front, who was leading worship this morning, our beautiful children, Delta and Blue. Well, Delta moved up with us seven years ago. Um, Blue was born in Sutton Coalfield. Um, so we moved up here seven years ago to be part of Real Life Church. We, we followed God up here. I personally felt a call um, to follow Stuart. I felt actually God speak to me and say, I don't know where Stuart's going, but I feel like you should follow Stuart. We were kind of at one in terms of vision. I thought, yeah, I could follow this man. Let's see where he takes me. Um, and we've ended up in Sutton Coalfield, which I'm very happy about because it's a beautiful place to live. So thanks, Stuart, and thank you, God. Um, we, as part of the leadership team, we have responsibility mainly for the worship team, was our kind of core responsibility, but also part of kind of the eldership journey, training, exploration, whatever we're going to call it, but just seeing how we can serve this church and what it is God's called us to be a part of um, at Real Life Church. Um, something else about me, I'm also terrible at waiting. I'm a very impatient person. Phil's just going to, I'm going to block that out over there <laughs> Phil's nodding and agreeing down the front. As soon as I decide I want something, I want it then. I want it straight away. I don't want to have to wait. And what struck me as I was preparing this morning, I thought, actually, I didn't used to be like this. Because I've actually grown up, like many of you guys, in the generation without mobile phones, without the internet. I can remember my first Nokia mobile phone. It was huge. I got a beautiful Union Jack cover on it. Um, it was this big clunky thing. I can remember that, but I didn't get that until after university. So I went through the whole of university without really the internet and without a mobile phone. If I wanted to send an email, I had to go in my hall at um, Derby Hall at Nottingham University. About 400 people living in that hall. We had one computer room with, I reckon there was about 10 computers in there. So if I wanted to email somebody, I had to go in, press a code, get in, wait for a computer and get in there. And I thought, actually... The, the kind of the generation I've grown up in, you know, four TV channels, then five TV channels. I'm sure there's people in the room that can remember three TV channels. My, my TV in my room was black and white, and it had a little dial on the front. Did anybody have a TV like that? And you had to kind of dial in. And if I wanted to watch something, I had to wait. There was none of this, well, you can kind of, you know, record it, download it, all those kind of things, like box sets and things nowadays. I had to wait. And if I was watching that particular series, we'd all cram into a bedroom at university, dial in the right channel, and sit there waiting in anticipation. It was mostly ready, steady, cook, to be fair. Um, that's where I learned to cook. So everything I cook takes 20 minutes, because um, I've been brought up in that generation. But I've kind of lost some of my patience. Who recognizes these? Yeah? Now, if you don't recognize this kind of packaging, which, for those listening, is an, is an Amazon parcel, there's one of two reasons. Either you haven't yet got kind of sucked into the whole Amazon Prime delivery, or, or you're that impatient, you only use Prime now. <laughs> oh, there's a few people, uneasy laughter. Which means you don't even get this packaging, because Prime now arrives within two hours. So you can order something online... And it arrives, you get a brown paper bag, it gets left on your doorstep if you want it to, and it doesn't have all this labelling, because they've literally thrown it in a bag, driven it to your house. Now, there's someone in this room who I won't embarrass, and I'll try not to look at them, but when we first heard about it, you know, he's laughing now, um, when Prime Now, I first found out about it, he said, yes, it's an amazing thing, I've got the app on my phone, I was at home, and I fancied a drink. 
I fancied a little glass of whiskey. So bearing in mind this person lives in Sutton Colford, but there's quite a few shops. He was like, let's give this a go. He ordered himself a bottle of Jack Daniels on Prime Now, and within two hours, a man arrived on a scooter or a motorbike or something with a little brown paper bag, there's your bottle of whiskey. And I thought, how impatient have we become? How impatient have I become? I'll talk about myself, because you're probably more patient than me. Um, we were extending Phil's studio into the conservatory, and we needed like an extension for our internet signal at home. So I thought, right, I'm going to go and order one off Amazon. Again, it was there within two hours. This um, extension router, there it was, brown paper bag on the doorstep. I didn't have to wait for it. And actually, I thought, actually, I've become quite impatient. I've become used to, I want, so I get. Okay? What we're going to look at today, and here's the link, is a man who, in my mind, demonstrates the exact opposite. Here is a man who knew what he wanted knew what he was actually going to get at the end of it, but rather than get it within two hours, rather than getting it within one or two days, he had to wait 45 years. Now, for me, it has to be some kind of prop. This is a man who speaks of faith and of patience. So we're going to be looking at Caleb today, not Joshua. We're going to be looking specifically at Caleb today, who I would say is a man of faith, And he's a man that showed great patience, but also showed great dedication to the Lord, the promises that had been spoken over him, and, um, yeah, believed in those and lived his life um, honoring of what he knew was going to come. So that's where we're going today. I'm going to learn something. I've been challenged by this as I've been reading through my Bible, studying about Caleb, thinking, oh no, what have I become? We'll come back to that because it's not about me, it's about Caleb. Um, in terms of where we are in history, just in case you've miss, missed any of the talks along the way, um, we're still in Joshua. We're going to be reading later on Joshua 14. Um, Stuart last week summarized a big chunk of Joshua, and he talked about the land. So um, the Israelites have been in the wilderness for 40 years. They started their conquest of the land because God told them to go into the land. Joshua led them into the promised land and they've been conquering, taking charge of various cities and bits of land. And kind of after five years of that conquest, following what God called them to do, um, they reached the stage where they were dividing up the land. They said, right, this is ours now. We're in it. We're living in this land now. Let's divide it up. And Stuart last week talked about that land being a gift of God. Only he could provide it. An inheritance wasn't earned, but it was passed down to his chosen people. It was divided up by Lot, which was a show that actually God was in control, not man. It was received by everyone, every tribe, according to the promises of God. And there was still an enemy to fight. There was still work to do. It wasn't completely over. There were still jobs to do in the land. Um, We're going to see similar themes in today's passage as we learn from one man's example in the midst of this. And I'll check the time now. I'll aim to be done in less than half an hour because I've got two things here. One, I don't want you getting bored. And secondly, my wife's leading worship. So I want to make sure I give her enough time. So I'll try and honor all of you in one go. Okay, I'm going to read from Joshua 14, verses 6 to 14. If you disagree with how I pronounce anything tough, this is where it's going to sound today. Now, the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. 
But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. Remember that statement. It's going to come up a few times. I followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there. And their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out, just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Okay, I'm just going to pray before we delve a bit deeper into this passage. Mm. Lord, I thank you so much that you're a God who loves us. I thank you that you're a God who wants the best for us. And I thank you, God, that you haven't left us in this world just to fend for ourselves and work out what's right, what's wrong, what's best, what's not good for us. But you've spoken to us, Lord, through your word, and you still speak to us today. I thank you for all the promises we're going to look at today and the promises you've spoken to men and women within this church, Lord. We, we want to really hear from you today, and I, I pray as we go through this passage, even as we, as we talk about this passage this morning, you'll, you'll open our eyes and help us to see things from your perspective. Amen. Okay, so first section, we're going to look at this. We're going to look at why did God promise Caleb an inheritance? Okay, this is the underpinning bit. Why was it God chose Caleb? What happened? So I'm going to do a quick bit of history recap. Um, I'm going to dip back to a few different passages. So Caleb was from the tribe of Judah. Judah is the most important tribe in Israel's history. It said in Genesis 49, the scepter will not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from his descendants until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor, who is... Thank you. So the family line from which future kings would come, including David, and eventually the king of kings, Jesus. That's the line that Caleb sits in. In Numbers 13 and 14, 12 men, one from each of the 12 tribes, were sent by Moses into the promised land. He sent them to find out what lay ahead. Um, They went out to find out if the people were strong or weak. Were the cities open or were they fortified? Was the land fertile what, what, was, what were they going to find when they went into this land? And they were to bring back a report. So God had promised this land, and Moses sent the spies out. And the 12, the 12 spies came back, and the first bit they agreed. They said, it's a bountiful country. It's beautiful. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Okay? So they've, they've been on this journey. They've gone into this promised land, and it's beautiful. It, it's full of um, fertility and land and animals and beautiful cities. But, then they added the bit at the end, but the people are powerful. The towns are large, they're fortified, and they describe the people as giants. 
They said the people out there are just massive. They are strong. We're, we're, we're going to struggle to defeat them. And they focused on the enormity of the job before them and said, oh, it just looks impossible, Moses. And they just told these stories of giant walls around cities and giant men who they were going to have to fight to conquer it. So what's Caleb's response? Caleb said, let's go take the land. We can certainly conquer it. And he said, let's go. And the other men disagreed. And they said, well, compared to them, we're like grasshoppers. And this, this debate um, followed. Unfortunately, the people, the people around, the people of Israel, they listened. They listened to the ten spies. And they said, no, 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 no. We can't do that. Let's go back to Egypt. They said, we can't possibly face that. Let's go back to Egypt. But Joshua and Caleb, who were the other two spies, said, no, come on, guys. It's a wonderful land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and he'll give it to us. Don't rebel against the Lord. The Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the people didn't. They listened to the other ten. And God was so angry at the reaction of the people that he said, I'm going to wipe you all out. I'm done. Yet again, you've doubted me. You haven't believed in my promises. We're done. That's the end of this story. And Moses begged with him and he said, please, Lord, don't do that. Forgive your people. So God's reaction in his grace and mercy, he says, I will pardon them. Not one of these people will ever enter that land. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude or a different spirit. He has remained loyal, so I will bring him into the land he explored. And he also said he'd bring Joshua and he'd bring the next generation. But he said not one of the people that is here today is going to enter that promised land. They were sentenced as a result to 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, which was one day, one year, sorry, for every day that the spies spent in the promised land. So they spent 40 days spying on the promised land. They came back and God said, you didn't listen to me. You didn't listen to Caleb and Joshua. 40 years you're going to wander in the wilderness, a year for each day. And Caleb and Joshua outlived all of their generation. And we'll talk about that a bit more later on. Because they had faith in God. They were the two that were so distraught at what everyone was saying. They literally ripped their clothes and said, come on guys, listen to God. God has said, this is our promised land. God has said, this is the land that he has given to us. So let's go take it. It doesn't matter how big the people are because my God is bigger. Yeah, this might be a giant, but my God is bigger. That city might be fortified. My God is bigger. And actually, the last time I was up here, which was quite a long time ago preaching, uh, we talked about the walls of Jericho, didn't we? And how we actually, the, the army faced the walls of Jericho, and God gave them that city. God brought the walls down. God gave it to them. And you know what? Even on this day, Caleb knew that God was going to give them what he'd promised. But unfortunately, people didn't listen. They didn't have that faith. They weren't able to show that faith. So God said, okay, I'll take the next generation and you're going to have to wait. Just to make sure I'm not just making this up as we go. It's in verse 14. So Hebron belonged to Caleb, son of Jennifer the Kenizzite, ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, 
wholeheartedly. So in answer to that question, why did God promise Caleb an inheritance? Why did God promise that Caleb would be one of two from that generation that would enter and inherit the promised land? It was because of his faith in God. It was because of his belief in what God has promised and his willingness to act that out. It was stated three times in that passage, the word wholeheartedly. He followed God wholeheartedly. He was a man of faith. He followed God with all his heart. And it was his heart attitude that meant he was promised an inheritance. God said that Caleb had a different spirit, a different attitude. He was different to the others. And because of that, and because that difference was his devotion to God and his belief in God, that's why he got this inheritance. The name Caleb itself, if you're interested, means wholehearted. It means someone who's positive, devoted, and brave. And we've got a few Calebs in this church, so I do pray that these young men grow into just that, men who are wholehearted, devoted to God, and are brave to stand up for him. He looked at the landscape through God's promises. The Lord had promised, therefore we will take the land. Let's go. In essence, it was that simple. God promised, therefore we'll get it, therefore let's go get it. But unfortunately, the others didn't listen. So, challenge for us then, number one, to see life through a godly perspective, to see life through eyes of faith in this world in which we live. Why did his report differ? Because he remembered what God had promised. So, how can we, let's start to think about this, how can we start to show a similar faithfulness, a different spirit? How can we stand out today? Couple of, couple of examples, couple of thoughts. Um, this preach changed a few times over the last few weeks because a few key events have happened. Um, and I just felt God speaking about a few different situations. So one of them um, asked John if I could mention Caleb High. Um, Caleb High, stri- someone who strikes me as someone who has got a different spirit, who does stand out from the crowd. Um, I think we agree on that. Um, the thing that struck me about Caleb, if you've never met him, and I'm guessing you probably have, um, <laughs> for good reasons, is that ever since um, the highs joined our church, ever since we met Caleb, I could say pretty much every single Sunday when we've led worship up here, one of the first people to give me a fist bump is Caleb. He always says, good job, well done. Yeah, This is a boy of, how old is he now, sorry, nine? nine a boy of nine. Who, ever since he's been part of this church, will faithfully catch you at the door. Some days he will even wait at that door give you a little fist bump. Well done this morning, Matt. Well done. Well done. Good job. And yeah, I think he's learned that from his parents. I think he's modeling what he's saying, but I think Caleb stands out some of the different spirits. So um, yeah, I'm excited to see what Caleb becomes. I think he's got an exciting future. Not to say anything about your other children, because they're amazing too. Um, but his name's Caleb, and I'm talking about Caleb. Um, but yeah, he just, for me, he stands out. And I thought, how can I stand out? So when I think about Caleb, that's what stands out to me. They got me thinking, why, why am I different? If someone said, Matt Yates, he's got a different spirit. He's a bit different to all the others. What reason would that be? Now, um, my year seven business group might say Mr. Yates stands out because on a Thursday, he rushes up from his lunch and he's generally in a bit of a grump because we're all late from lunch and he moans at us and he doesn't really enjoy the first five minutes because we give him a lot of hassle. That's not why I want to stand out. 
Uh, my year eights, on the other hand, will hopefully say, Mr. Yates stands out because actually he cares about us. He's taught us now for nearly two years. He wants the best from us. He gives us feedback. He helps us. Um, he helps us with maths, but he also helps us if we've got some other problems and he'll support us and look after us. You know, Why, why do we stand out? Um, as I was preparing for this, um, we got a phone call a couple of weeks ago at school, which I can't talk a lot about other than for those of you that work in education. The phone call came about 10 to 12, therefore the phone call was Ofsted. Um, so they ring you just before 12 o'clock, say, hi guys, we're coming in tomorrow, and we're going to come and inspect everything. We're going to come and look at every single thing about your school, good, bad, indifferent. We're going to find out the real picture. You don't know who's coming at first. You don't know what they're going to be like. Um, and it's a pretty scary thing. It's like someone going through some of your most personal and kind of intimate details because you care about the place in which you work, don't you? And they're going to rip it all apart and try and work out what they think's going on. And I thought, in that situation, what am I going to be like? Am I going to go, ah! Am I going to kind of run around the school going, panic, everyone! Ofsted's coming, do your best, do this, do that. Or am I going to have faith and say, actually... For me, at my school, God gave the vision for my school. It's a Christian all through um, school. God gave that vision. We trust God. We know there's problems. We know there's great things. And actually, I trust in God. And I feel like God's put me there. I've been wrestling with this over the last few months. Stay, go, stay, go, stay, go. People at school know that, so I can say that on this tape. Stay, go. Because I think you all think about that wherever you work, don't you? And I just felt like God said to me, actually, your job's not done here. There's something more for you to do in this place. And then a few weeks later, we've had actually three external visits in the last few weeks, Ofsted being one of them and probably the most important one. And actually in that situation, what made me stand out? Well, I hope, I hope I was encouraging. I hope I was positive. I hope when I stood in front of the school and I prayed for the students, I prayed for the staff, because we can do that at my school, being a Christian school, um, I hope they saw something of that positivity. And actually, it wasn't saying, hey, guys, everything's going to be okay. It's going to be easy. It's saying, God's with us, guys. God birthed us. God brought every student, every member of staff, every parent, every member of the community to be part of this school. God's with us. It's not always going to be easy, but God's with us, so let's stand strong and let's get through this. So just an example of where I feel I've been able to put a bit of this into practice which God generally does. So Stuart, don't give me anything really nasty to preach on, because I always find about two weeks before God does something. Um, so this is, this is fine, I can cope with this one. Um, you know, so let's see the good in people, let's speak it out. There's a few people I was going to mention this morning, most of them aren't in this room, which is really helpful, but um, Pete, maybe you can pass this on later. Um, I really appreciate what Pete Brindley says to me um, most weeks. Just that friendly hello, the shake of the hand, the, oh that was really I'm just going to sound like I need people to tell me I did a really good job. But he's always, he's just always very encouraging. There are certain people who are just very encouraging, very friendly, like to talk about uh, music, like to talk about worship, just really encouraging people. And and I've always found Pete to be one of those um, people, and I think that's really important. Um, Also, where we see lies, let's speak against them. Let's stand out from the crowd because we can say, actually... Um, God's word says this, God's heart is this, you're saying that, I disagree because let's love people, but let's, let's stand out from the crowd because we know what the truth is, like Caleb did here. He said, actually guys, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're very wrong. God has said we'll get this land, you're wrong because you think those big men over there are more powerful than my God, you're wrong. And he stood out. 
what happened? They didn't listen, and he had to wait. But eventually, he got the thing that had been promised to him because of his faith in what God had said. Um, I'm not going to dwell on this point, but it struck me again, and I promise you I'm not talking to any individuals here, but it just got me thinking about social media, and the phrase that came into my hand was just pause before posting. And I thought, actually, it's, it's right and it's good to stand up for what we believe in. It's right and it's good um, to speak out when people are speaking against the word of God and the heart of God. But I think as, as men and women who love God and love people, because God loves people, we just need to be really careful how we express that sometimes. And you probably know the kinds of things I'm talking about, but over the last few years, it's just got me thinking, I've just got to be really careful. Because actually... Um, when I'm at home with my wife, we, we might kind of go, ah, what's going on in that situation? But then I wouldn't go on Facebook and attack the people or the person behind that situation because that's not right, is it? that's not showing love. So I, I just kind of thought in terms of this spirit, yes, it's right to stand up, but I think Caleb did it in a really good way. He, didn't, he doesn't seem to, obviously I wasn't there, I don't know, I can only read what was in this passage, but rather than attacking, he could have said, you lot, you're idiots. You're stupid. You've got this wrong. He, he, you know, he could have attacked the other spies. For me, his heart in this passage doesn't seem to do that. Rather than attacking what the other spies have said, he seems to be saying, look, guys, look at God. And he's pointed them up towards God and said, look at God. Look at what God has promised. Look at what God has said. Come on, guys, let's listen. And he, he shows his frustration, doesn't he, by ripping his clothes. But he doesn't attack those people. So just something I felt God put on my heart. So I'll say it and I'll move on. Okay, part two. There's three parts to this. The third part is short, I promise. So, we know why God promised Caleb an inheritance. Because of his faith. Let's try that again. Why did he promise that? His faith. He followed God wholeheartedly. So, he he acted out that faith as well, didn't he? he? He spoke that out. So, how did the knowledge of this inheritance impact upon the way that Caleb lived? That's a very long question, isn't it, up there? I'm a teacher. Let's keep going. Um, it's kind of quite a good lesson start to that. Um, so this is one of five stories where specific characters ask for and receive their inheritance. Very briefly, we've got Caleb. Um, four of them really stood out to me out of the five. So we've got Caleb, who we're kind of looking at today. You've got the daughters of Zelophehad. Um, it says, the Lord commanded Moses to give us a grant of land along with the men of our tribe. That's what the daughters said. So Joshua gave them a grant of land along with their uncles as the Lord had commanded. So the Lord said they will get land. They claimed that land. They got land. Joseph, again, this is, I'm taking this all from the Bible. I promise it's in purple in my notes. Why have you given us only one portion of land as our homeland when the Lord has blessed us with so many people? So the Lord has made um, Joseph and his family, his tribe, large. Um, therefore... He's saying, where is our land? We need more land. Because in Numbers 33, it's recorded, the Lord said to Moses, you must distribute the land among the clans by sacred lot um, and in proportion to their size. So Joseph knew the land was to be distributed, distributed according to the size of their clan. He's saying, the Lord has blessed us with many people, therefore we are claiming the land that we need for our people to live in. And what happened? The land was given to Joseph and his clan and his family because that's what the Lord had promised. Levites, number four, um, it says, The Lord commanded Moses to give us towns to live in and pasture lands for our livestock. 
So by the command of the Lord, the people of Israel gave the Levites the following towns and pasture lands out of their own grants of land. Again, the Lord commanded Moses, the Lord spoke and said, the Levites will get towns to live in, pasture lands for livestock. So they come to Joshua and they say, we'd like our land, please. Joshua says, yes, the Lord said you could. Here it is, off you go. So people were claiming what had been promised to them. And Caleb's a great example of this, of claiming what God had promised and then living kind of in that inheritance. The Lord spoke to Moses, promised the inheritance to lots of different people for lots of different reasons. But actually, they they all held on to that promise and they brought it back and they acted it out. So here's the key question then. What would have happened if they hadn't? What would have happened if Caleb hadn't come back 45 years later and said, the Lord said, I would have the hill country. I would like it now, please. What would have happened? Think for a minute. Would he have got it? Possibly not. Um, Unless Joshua probably remembered one day and thought, oh yeah, I need to give that land to, um, to Caleb, but wouldn't have necessarily given it to him. He might have forgotten. I don't know. We don't know. But I thought, actually, he could have missed out. He could have missed out. But Caleb remembered. And he didn't just remember for two hours that he'd ordered something that was going to arrive at the door. He didn't remember for one or two days. He remembered for 45 years. 45 years he waited, and then he came back and said, now the time's right. I would like my inheritance that God promised me, please. So this is, this is probably where I'll get a bit emotional. Trying to just picture what 45 years looks like. A week today, I turn 40. (laughs) I can't wait. Um, So I thought, actually, that's the length of time they wandered in the wilderness, 40 years. And then I thought, okay, what, what do I believe now as strongly as I did almost 40 years ago? Clearly, I didn't believe a lot when I was born, but when I was young... What did I believe then, and what stuck with me? I can honestly say it stuck with me for 40 years. And there are some basic things, aren't there? Um, You know, I don't know, speaking, walking, those kind of things. I think I'm better now than I was, um, possibly. Um, But what stuck with me? So here's an example. When I was younger, and this really sticks out to me, um, does anyone remember the Trumpeton Firemen? Yeah. Okay, so when I was young, okay, There was a little recital bit at the beginning, wasn't there? Okay? It went, apple, 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 apple. Anyone remember it like that? It it definitely did. You know, my sister and I had so many arguments. I was the annoying little brother. Um, Apple, 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 apple. Yeah? Do you believe me? No? Because actually it went pew, pew. I had to write this down. Brilliant. So you know how it really went. So actually, I was wrong. I was wrong back then 40 years ago, and I've grown up. I've admitted to my sister, or maybe I haven't. Maybe I said, Louise, if you're listening to this, I'm really sorry you were right. I was wrong. Um, So 40 years later, I I, I know I was wrong. My views have changed. I think I've changed quite a lot. I got married. I had children. Have I changed, honey? (laughs) Phil's Phil's helped me to um, develop and grow my character. Should we say that? <laughs> In ways that I probably couldn't have done on my own. So she's helped me to grow. 
But I've changed. My, my, my views have changed. Um, I'm, I'm a different person to who I was. Um, but actually, Caleb, obviously it was later in life. It was between 40 and 85. But he's, he's stuck. He's stuck to what God has promised. But that's a long time. That's a long time. My life has been quite long. I've done quite a lot, experienced quite a lot, changed quite a lot. But during that whole time, he stuck and he clung to that promise. So then that got me thinking about different people in the church. And sorry if I embarrass you. Um, David, who's, do you mind me saying your age? <laughs> Is that right? Um, David's 79 years old, soon to be 80. We celebrated Joyce's 80th birthday um, earlier this, last month, wasn't it? March? March. Brilliant. So here we have two people who are 80 or on the brink of turning 80, and actually who have been saved for 60 years. 60 years they've known the Lord. And actually, the reason I'm just mentioning you here, guys, sorry to embarrass you. Well, I'm not embarrassing you, I'm commending you. It's great. You still believe in the word and power of God. You're still living your life in a way that's honoring to God. And actually, even now, when you go through things like illness, you still seek healing because you know that God heals. And you've seen that in your lives. God's brought you through difficult situations. You've helped so many people. But actually, you still believe that. And I think your faith and your passion for God uh, at this point after 60 years, and I know there's other people in the church that have known Jesus for a very long time as well, but just I know these guys, I know them fairly well, and I've heard some of their stories, and I know there's loads more to hear. But it just really impresses me that... You know, you're, you're still praying for future generations. You moved church, you joined this church, you didn't just come and say, I'm just going to sit at the back and just kind of carry it along. You know, even the fact you're sat here in the third row this morning, you know, you're always involved, you're always at prayer meetings. I know you're praying for us every day and behind the scenes, you pray for us as leaders of the church, and you're getting stuck in. And why is that? Because you've got here a man and woman of faith, okay, who know God. And they know the promises that God's spoken over them. They know they've got an eternal inheritance. But also they know there's a job to do here and now. And they know there's something to crack on with on this earth um, in the meantime. So I just wanted to commend you guys for your faith. And I really appreciate that. And I just thought, David, you quite often wear a hat with dad on, don't you? And I was just thinking about that hat, thinking actually, you know, you could look at that and say, yeah, you're a dad, aren't you? But actually you're a father to many. And the, the people you've influenced over those 60 years of faith. You know, you're a father to many um, men and women that you've interacted with in this country and other countries over the years. So I just want to command you, again, command you guys, commend you guys. And I kind of saw that hat. I saw the hat with the word dad, but also with the word faith on it. And I thought, actually, if, if I'm a tiny bit of what you guys are like now when I'm 80, you know, I've walked really well. Um, and I bet... I bet if God calls you right now to go and lead an army into that place over there and follow him, I bet you'd still do it because you know um, that God will follow through. So I just want to thank you guys and commend you guys. (laughs) Okay, so God's promises, living out. So I said here, how did the knowledge of an inheritance impact on the way Caleb lived? He, he held true to that promise. He believed he didn't forget. And I'm asking you, church, to not forget the things that God has promised you. To not forget the words he's spoken over you. I divided this into two groups, kind of biblical promises. Biblical things that are true for everyone. 
Um, Philippians, this is the same God who takes care of me, will supply all your needs for his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Isaiah, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Promises of God to us. Um, A bit more from Isaiah. Uh, For the mountains may move, the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. 1 John, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. There's loads of truth in the Bible which is promised to all of us. And I know there are specific promises and things God's spoken to different people. I'll say this very quickly to get permission to share this. I asked a few people, Life Group and some other WhatsApp groups, because that's where we do all this communicating, um, just for stories of God's promises. And actually, again, I, I, the first person to respond was Paul, um, Paul Dibbon. So um, he just shared a couple of stories. So actually... You know, again, I just thought, actually, that, there's a man of faith. I've, I've sent a message out to a few groups on WhatsApp to say, I'm just looking for some stories of people that have trusted in the promises of God, specific things that's been spoken into their lives, and acted on them. Boom, he was there. But not with one story, with three stories. And I thought, actually, that's great, isn't it? To know someone who, when you say, tell me, you know, what God has promised you and how you've acted that out. He was there. He wanted to share straight away. And he didn't only want to share, he wanted to tell me more. Um, they're coming around for lunch today, so maybe we can talk about it a bit later on. But, and he said, let's meet up at lunchtime. Let's talk about it more. You work, you work over the road. Let's talk about it more. So just, just very briefly, I won't go into loads of their personal details. Um, I have got permission. Um, they, were, they were struggling to conceive at one point. But when he picked up his devotion reading book, the opening words were, For I shall give you a son. And that then gave him lots of faith for a child, and soon after they were pregnant with Tobias. So it gave him that faith. So actually, no, we're not going to give up. Um, you know, God's going to give us a son, and he did. Um, when he was working in London, he felt God asking him to leave his job due to the nature of the programming. He works for like um, television companies. Um, Due to the nature of the programming it decided to make, he decided it wasn't right for me. God said to him, actually, I don't want you in that environment. I'm going to take you out of it. So he went and joined a year team, part of the New Frontiers internship year. And during that time, he had no income. But because God had told him to do it, he did it anyway. And actually, during that time, he was able to pay off his student debt. And he, he'd never looked back. There, there was no issue with finance during that year. Because he followed what God had told him to do. God said, leave your job, go and do that. That's quite a scary thing to do. But God provided, because it says in the Bible that God will provide. Um, third one, uh, I'm not doing this justice, so you can talk to them yourself, but um, when he was going out with Kay, um, he was staying with a family who decided to bless him with a large sum of money. And that was actually going to give him enough money to put aside to buy an engagement ring um, for Kay, because they were, I assume, going out at that time, hopefully. Um, God strongly urged him to give this money to the annual offering. So he's been blessed with a chunk of money. He thought, brilliant, I can buy Kay this beautiful ring. I can propose to her. And then God comes along and says, actually, I want you to give that into the offering. So what did he do? He gave it into the offering. And what did God do? Over the next few weeks, he blessed me with the means to buy a ring three times the cost of what I had saved. So God honors faithfulness. 
God said do this, we do it, God blesses us, God helps us. And it's not always going to happen, is it, within, within an hour or two. It's not always going to happen with a day or two. But actually, God will honor our faithfulness. God will come through. And we need to be men and women who live that out in our day-to-day lives, following God. Okay, so to wrap... Oh, I was going to mention the church. But no, let's move on. <laughs> It'll be fine. All of us have got promises in the Bible, because the Bible was written for all of us. There are promises in there that apply to all of us. Most of us, I would imagine, have got specific promises that God's spoken over us in our lives. So let's hold on to those. Let's just look at part three then, just to wrap this up. So what is our inheritance? And I think this is really important. Um, The sentence that I read that changed my preach, sorry Stuart, because I emailed him one, then I did a bit more, spent a bit of time seeking God, and God said, actually, I want you to say this. Sorry, Stuart, because he'd already read the other one. But anyway, it said this, Caleb, whose faithfulness in the mutiny of Kadesh won him exemption from the curse pronounced there. So Caleb, whose wholehearted faithfulness won him exemption from the curse pronounced there, i.e. the ten spies, the plague that wiped out the spies that didn't trust in God, and the whole generation around him that passed away. So he, for 40 years in the wilderness, his friends, his family, his, his tribes around him, they all passed away because they didn't get to enter the promised land. That was their curse. But he was exempt from that curse because of his faithfulness. And that just made me think of this. What would God say to me in terms of my faithfulness and my inheritance? And this is true for all of us. So you can put your own name in this. I said, Matthew whose declaration of faithfulness to God won him exemption from the curse of sin and death. I'll say that again. Put your own name in it. Matthew, whose declaration of faithfulness to God won him exemption from the curse of sin and death. There's a promise. There's an inheritance there for all of us. Biblical truth. Why did God promise Caleb an inheritance? Because of his faithfulness. Why does he promise me an inheritance, us an inheritance? Because of our faithfulness. What's the thing we do when we decide to follow God? We put our faith, we put our trust in him. And we say, actually, I'm going to follow you, Lord. How did the knowledge of an inheritance impact on the way that Caleb lived? He remembered it. He walked a walk and he did not forget it. And 45 years later, he was still, still living out in wait for that, and when he felt the time was right, he claimed it and he took it. Well, I know that I've put my faith in Jesus. I know that I've done that. I decided to do that at university when I was about 19. How's that affected the way I live? Well, I try and live a way that's honoring to God. I know that one day, when I leave this earth, I will live for eternity with Jesus. I know that. It's the kind of the now and not yet, isn't it? I know I'm saved. I know I've got an inheritance. I know it will come. So what do I do for this chunk of time in between me professing my faith and me being taken to be with the Lord? Well, I'm going to live it out on this earth. I'm going to remember that inheritance. I'm going to remember that commitment I made, and I'm going to try and live it out on this earth. That's what I'm going to try and do. Um, What is our inheritance? It says in Ephesians... Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. So what is it? Our inheritance in Christ is imperishable. What we have in Christ is not subject to corruption or decay. 
Okay? We have a promise of eternal life. We are free from condemnation. We are free from the curse of sin. We can live in this world knowing and loving our God, full of faith that one day we'll be taken to be with him. Our inheritance is unspoiled. What we have in Christ is free from anything that would deform or degrade. Nothing on earth is perfect, but we know our inheritance is perfect. It's unfading. It's reserved for us. It is a certainty. Because when God promises, God follows through. And who knew that? Caleb knew that. And I want to be more like Caleb. I receive a promise. I will declare my faith and my trust in God. I'm going to live that out in the meantime, and I'm going to claim that inheritance, and I'm going to live my life knowing that one day um, I will receive that inheritance, just like Caleb showed us in this model. It wasn't easy. Caleb said, we can go into that land and conquer it. 45 years later, he still had to go and conquer that land because the kings, they'd taken it, but the kings had probably actually come back in. So the giants were still there. But what did he say? I'm full of vigor. At 85, I'm still strong. I'm still vigorous. I can take that land because God is with me and God will give us that land. And he believed in it. So my prayer for me, my prayer for you is that we will hold true to those promises, that we will declare our faith in the right way in the right situations Band, do you want to start coming up? Um, We'll declare that faith in a good, God-honoring way when the time is right. We'll live our lives full of faith, putting our trust in Jesus in all different kinds of situations. Um, And we'll, we'll live that way. Because I know that one day we will get that inheritance. And all the other things God has promised. God has promised we will be a large, influential, reproducing church. We've seen bits of that. We're growing. We used to be 10, 15, 20 people down the front here in a corner thinking, why are we in this room? We're now 150 plus people in this room. God is growing us. We're on that journey. Has it finished? Nah. Nah, 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 nah. We're going to be larger. We're going to be more influential and we're going to be reproducing. That's why we're exploring things like going to the nations. So there is more to come. So I want you to contemplate the promises of God that are for all of us, the specific words he's spoken to you, and hold on to those and try and live those out um, as we live in this world. I hope, I hope there's something useful in there for people. Do you want to start playing? Um, just as we transition into worship, I just wanted to, to read something out to us. So if I can get us, can I ask you to stand? We're going to go into time of worship and... I'm, I'm on the Freedom in Christ course at the moment with um, a few other guys and girls. Um, just some of this truth. I just, I just wanted to read through some of this truth. I just felt that there might be people here today that actually have forgotten some of what God's spoken over them. And actually, they need to live that out a bit more in their lives. So just as we transition to the worship, I'm just going to read through this. I promise you it all comes from the Bible. So, who am I in Christ? I renounce the lie that I am rejected, unloved, or shameful. In Christ, I am accepted. God says, I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord, and I am one spirit with him. I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint, a holy one. I have been adopted as God's child. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been forgiven all of my sins. I am complete in Christ. I renounce the lie that I am guilty, 
unprotected, alone or abandoned. Because in Christ I am secure. God says I am free from condemnation. I am assured that all things work together for good. I am free from all condemning charges against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been established, anointed and sealed by God. I am confident that the good work God has begun in me will be perfected. I am a citizen of heaven. I am hidden with Christ in God. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love and self-control. I can find grace and mercy to help in time of need. I am born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. The last section. I renounce the lie that I am worthless, inadequate, helpless or hopeless. In Christ I am significant. God says, I am the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I am a branch of the true vine, Jesus a channel of his life. I have been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. I am a personal spirit empowered witness of Christ. I am a temple of God. I am a minister of reconciliation for God. I am a fellow worker with God and I am sealed with Christ in the heavenly realms. I am God's workmanship, created for good works. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am not the great I am, but by the grace of God I am what I am. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We love the truth you've spoken over us, Lord. And we want to live our lives full of faith, full of belief in you. And in 45 years' time, Lord, if I'm blessed enough to be still living in this world, I still want to be standing here proclaiming my love and my faithfulness in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus.